Hi everybody, um, welcome to another live recording of the Food and Nose podcast with myself, Bonisil Inclamezo, your host. Um, lots of really good things to talk about over the last few weeks if you're an Arsenal fan. Also a lot of really nerve-wracking, um, n- nerve-wracking moments um, as well along the way. Um, last time I talked to you was just before the West Ham game. I wanted to do some some recordings before that game but then I thought you know it was one of those games that um, I was so nervous through the game and I was like yeah let's see what happens in the next one let's see what happens in the leads Um, because those two games were kind of banana skin ish and I think a lot of us fans were looking at um, the North London derby which is not the right way to do things but it's very very difficult with this young team to um, you know to count your chickens but um but man like they they've really done some amazing work so far this season and so it's hard to um to bark at what they've done but like it's also it also feels like watching this group of boys it feels like you're watching your own son i don't have a son old enough to play in this team but it feels like you are a dad watching your son or you know a parent watching your kid play and um and so the, the level of investment is just it's just like that much higher as far as i'm concerned anyway and from what i can see it sounds like a lot of people who are um arsenal supporters at the moment have similar feelings around these boys and it's very very strong feelings um but in between the games there's been a lot of really positive vibes you know um tata got a new contract announced before the game at the weekend before um it was before his press conference on on friday actually his um his his he signed his contract as well as jonas uh or jonas Eideval, who coaches the women's team they were going into the final weekend the women's team going into the final weekend of the prim- of their wsl season just needing to win their game and hoping that Manchester United, who needed to win in order to stand a chance to qualify for the Champions League, they needed a favor from Manchester United, who were playing against Chelsea. Chelsea handled business. That was not a surprise, I guess. You know, the expectation was that Chelsea would beat Manchester United. But in football, you never know, which is why a lot of us, when when I talk about the game yesterday, later, you know, I think a lot of you guys would be, if you did watch that game, would know that, you know, that Arsenal was cruising and then all of a sudden there was, you know, a b- bundle of nerves coming into people's lives because they scored from nowhere in a corner, which was their first shot on goal, pretty much. So, lots of positive vibes around the club at the moment. Teta signs a contract. A lot of summer plans being talked about in between the games. The... The recruitment seems to be well underway. There's been a lot of talk around Gabriel Jesus. There's talk of Lenny's new contract. There's talk of a variety of, you know, targets that Arsenal have been looking at. And then also, you know, another really cool thing that's happened in the last week and a half, two weeks, has been the the viral music um, that was being sung at the game by Louis Dunford, I think is his name. Louis Dunford is a you know local guy, fan from 
from North London who wrote the song The Angel, which was sung by the fans at the game, which was pretty, you know, pretty cool to to hear it being sung at the game yesterday. And I've actually watched that video that Arsenal Football Club shared on their Twitter page. I've watched it several times. It's really, really cool uh, stuff. And um, I don't know if it will catch on and become an anthem, but I could definitely see it becoming an anthem. You know, it, it's such an easy song to sing along to. Similar style to what Liverpool do. Maybe Arsenal fans will make it into a thing. But it was really cool to see that happen and how that quickly came together from just a couple of people online putting a lot of plug in plug you know they gave it the, a lot of arsenal fans gave that song a plug online and i remember uh this guy posting about it actually on twitter about how well the song was doing on itunes and various platforms and it doesn't strike me as though he's a musician who you know even in england who has been super famous and done great before this this particular song so this is one one of another one of those beautiful things that can happen you know, from from a football community that is quite connected. And, and, and so speaking of the positive vibes around Arsenal, it's definitely a lot of stuff going on that's really good there. And Arteta has definitely been big on soft factors and, and the culture talk. And a lot of people haven't been biased, you know, for, for because people want to see results. And the results haven't been always there in terms of the score lines. Even though if you wanted to get a little granular, there were moments where you could see maybe that this guy was working more like a, an architect thinking of the long term and, you know, like really cleaning up and doing maybe land surveying and, and doing a lot of landscaping. And then now the building is starting to look like it could be a skyscraper or something or some, you know, some beautiful building. Um, if you want to use the metaphor of, of uh, you know, drawing a plan for building a structure and then building the structure up. Tessa has done a lot of work, I think a lot of grunt work that a lot of us fans don't even get to see because to do what he has done, I know he hasn't achieved anything in terms of like winning a trophy this year. And I also know that he and the club haven't achieved top four yet. And they may well end up, you know, laying an egg, which I hope not, obviously. I hope this doesn't fucking happen. But I don't want to consider it in the bag, and I don't think any Arsenal fan is naive enough to think it's in the bag. But there's definitely a lot of really positive vibes, you know, around around the club at the moment. Him signing a contract, the players playing, including, you know, the so-called um, squad players, if you want to call them that, you know, and... I'm going to talk about one guy in particular, you know, beginning, just talking about yesterday's game. The, um, the game started really well for Arsenal, 10 minutes, and you thought, wow, 20 lap after 10. A lot of us were at that point probably starting to think, okay, this could be a good 4 or 5 nil, you know, because we had beaten them at their place, even though they played with a lot of kids due to COVID. Um, beat them about 4-1, maybe 4-1 or 4-0. I don't remember the, the, if they scored in that game, but I know we scored about four. And um, it looked like it was going to trend in that direction. We played really well, actually, in that first half. We really front-footed. 
put a lot of pressure on them, a lot of high pressing, and you know, we have young players who are prepared to run and run and run up front, especially when you change Lacazette and put Ed in Ketia. Laka has been amazing. Laka is not a lazy player as well. He presses, but Eddie does have the speed and he does have the youth on his side. And it's been showing in the last few games. I wouldn't say Eddie has been, you know, prime Inzaghi or prime Ronaldo. I'm not even talking about this Ronaldo that plays for United. I'm talking about R9. You know, he hasn't been any of that, but he has done, he has been that for us. You know, he's been big for us in these last five starts that he's had. He scored five, uh, four goals in five starts. And that's been massive. And in this game, he gave Arsenal a really, really good start and calmed the nerves down after that rousing start and, and you know, the singing of the song, the angel at the stadium, and everybody was pumped. It, it was a fitting start, you know, two goals in a space of about five minutes within, the, you know, the first 10 minutes of the game. I think he scored fifth minute and 10th minute. And it just was a, a really, really cool thing to see Arsenal get off the blocks really quickly and kept going and going and going and going. But we just couldn't find a third goal. You know, I think... Arsenal needed those two goals for sure because we ended up conceding a goal later on. But I, I want to talk a lot more about what we did well in this game. Um, Edin Ketia's pressing with Martin Odegaard marshalling the, a lot of the press for Martinelli on the, on the, le on the left, Arsenal's left, and Bukayo Saka on, on Arsenal's right with Eddie up top you know those guys were just they didn't give Leeds space to breathe Leeds played on their I mean they had more of the ball within the first 15 to 20 minutes but most of the game was being played on their half so they had defenders basically making passes to defenders and playing ball into central midfield that were being played back as well passes the the tempo of the game was awesome you know, we're really front-footed. I remember around maybe the 13th or so minute when Gabriel got his yellow card early in the game. He, he does that in the Leeds halfway line, like you know, like just in the Leeds half, but like just over the, the the halfway point. We were on them, and some may say yes, Gabriel has a rush of blood, but I think he also, in that moment, was feeling maybe super pumped you know he was it was too eager and too willing maybe in that moment but i it's very easy i guess you know when you look back at a game you know outside of the emotion of the game to say things like you know he didn't need to do that which i'm not going to say that but i've heard some people say something you know things like that and you know that he didn't he, he didn't need to get that yellow he probably didn't need to get the yellow card but the way we were playing we were really on the front foot and trying to suffocate leads and really trying to strangle them. And and he played himself right throughout the game without getting sent off. So, you know, he did well. And um, the defense was adjusted in a way that really helped us too because um, we, instead of playing Tomiyasu at the right back, he played at left back. And 
What that did, it allowed Martinelli to not need to look after his left back. And Martinelli was playing higher up, which allowed him to cause a lot more havoc for Luke Ayling, who is an Arsenal graduate, Arsenal Academy graduate, who's played, I, mean, I think that was maybe his 500th game as a pro. So, I mean, Arsenal's, Arsenal's Academy has really done a lot of good work over the years and releasing people who, who turn into good professionals elsewhere. But this was not Luke Ayling's best moment. Far from it. You know, it was a literally two-footed challenge. It was literally two-footed. Got diving into Martinelli, almost took his legs away from him. But I must say, to playing Tomiyasu at left back really allowed Martinelli to focus more on the attack and really stay on the attacking side of the game. And that was one of the really, really good things that we did to get us those first two goals is because, there was, you know, Martinelli, when he doesn't have to look after Nuno or, or a weaker left back, it was the same thing when Martinelli was playing well. Actually, you remember Kieran Tierney was playing at left back. So since Nuno came into the game, Martinelli has done a lot more defending and whatnot. So in my opinion, like Martinelli was probably the, the man of the match of the attacking quartet in that first half. He was basically the man of the first half caused a lot of chaos the only thing that he didn't do was to score a goal you know and he should have he should have he got like two kind of difficult chances but like he should have scored a goal at the very least in that game you know but when you win at the at the very end of it though it doesn't really matter if he scores the goal or not you know at this point of the at this point of the season it's about the team getting the wins you know so the offensive game was really, really good, and especially in that first half. Um, I don't think this was a case of Arsenal sitting back and trying to protect a two-goal lead and Leeds then coming back. They, it was their first shot on goal that they scored with. So, to be quite frank, I, you know, I, it's very easy to kind of like Monday morning quarterback things or like relitigate games you know, with some distance and think about like what would have been a perfect game Arsenal did exactly what they needed to do in this game. You know, they scored two early goals. They could have gotten more. They had more chances. Um, but Leeds, you know, playing with 10 men, it can be really difficult sometimes. I actually think Arsenal had the better of Leeds 11 v 11 compared to when Leeds went down to 10 men because it made it clearer for them that they couldn't come at us. And we like teams that come at us. Which brings me to the next guy who really played well in this game was um, El Neni, who who completed 97% of his passes. And he has just been something else as well. Speaking of squad players stepping up for this man, Mikel Arteta, that is. You know, Edin Ketia scored four goals in the last five games. Started five straight games, scored four goals. El Neni as well. In that spell with Eddie in the team, El Nini has been playing next to Granit Xhaka since Pati's injury. The only game he didn't play was that first game when Sambi played. And then after that, he's played five straight games and we've won. Um, sorry, four straight games for El Nini, five straight games for, for, for Eddie. Um, and El Nini has been, you know, really, really good. And, and he's, he's now being, you know, spoken with, with the club about a new contract. So this guy is like, whoa, you know, we all thought he was out. And Eddie, 
I, we don't even know what's going to happen with him, but and I, t- I like what Ateta said about let him enjoy this moment. But coming back to El Neni, whether this guy signs another contract or not, I I just think what he is doing after not playing meaningful minutes for Arsenal for most of this season is really, really amazing. you know. And I think if we do give him a contract, it wouldn't be the worst move we have made because at the moment we have a very thin squad and next year no matter what European competition we're in Champions League or Europa we're going to need a bigger squad so you know Thomas Partey does have the propensity to get injured Granit Xhaka we don't know if he stays or leaves but he's contracted so maybe he stays so you do have Partey and Xhaka and then you know, you have Sambi, Charlie Patino. I don't know if Patino will play higher up in the in the Odegaard role or he's gonna play deep. It's very hard to know. But but for me I think Mo El Neni is is a soldier that you want in your squad because of his no nonsense attitude. You know, you never hear anything. He just lives a very simple, humble life. Um for somebody who is a celebrity or, or you know a professional athlete he is a marvel of a man it's everybody who talks about him loves this man and and it's not because he's just a nice guy he's actually a man who who works really hard for the team and and he make, covers a lot of ground co- fills in spaces he does all the thankless jobs but what i've also started to notice with El Nini is he has started to make more progressive passes because I think a lot of people, you know, when we play against them, they don't give him the kind of respect. And and then, then that allows him, you know, they close the safe option because that's what he, everybody knows him to. Like, you know, I remember one of these guys um, who used to talk on, on Arsenal Fan TV, used to call him Mohamed El Sideways. So he does love his sideways pass because he's a safe player. But what I started to notice, especially in that Manchester United game and the Chelsea game before that, when Xhaka and Odegaard make the field, make the pitch a little bit bigger and go, you know, a little bit, so he has like two number eight targets to hit and a winger on either side and then a right back and a left back and then center backs. Well, Nenny makes the right decisions and, and safe decision most of the time. It's actually a very good thing that he does keep the ball really well because I think in Martinelli and Edin Ketia, we don't have probably the best ball retention forwards in those two guys, especially if you then you're also going to have Nuno in some games. Nuno loses the ball a lot as well. So you do need a player like Ilneni who can calm things down in the middle of the field, who can like just really slow down the tempo, be a grown-up there, be an adult who will organize things and clean up after people you do need that and um i know that fernandinho is old now but like manchester city has been using him in that role because they've lost a few people who done that that role for them like i remember you know when they had um this guy who got injured a lot he's at everton now fabian delf 
he was that player for, for Manchester City for a while. And um, at Liverpool, you have players like James Milner, you know, who'll come in and he'll do a job anywhere in the midfield and sometimes even at fullback. So El Nenny is younger than the, the two people that I've, I've mentioned. He's like 29 going 30. He, if he's okay, like he just recently spoke out about it, if he's okay playing a bit part role and, and being a member of the squad, I think you let him. You let him be. He's not going to cost you a lot of money. And um, I just think, yeah, like um, you keep it moving. You, you just you secure him and you keep it moving. But the other thing that I liked about El Nene's performance was how he has now started to take a little bit more responsibility with with you know him and a few other squad players but what i like about him sorry is about is that he has become now when it needs to be double pivot but also he seems to be holding the midfield on his own he's not thomas Partey, never will be but like for example in this leeds game especially once they went down to 10 men we did kind of go into a 4-3-3 shape or 4-1-4-1 shape with granichaka really stretching the pitch and going up 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 the left side to knit plays with Martinelli and Eddie and you know like Xhaka was playing almost like as a, as a second number eight um goes like what I noticed with the Teta system is that Martin Odegaard doubles up as a 10 and an 8 and then Granny Xhaka doubles up as a double six in a in a double pivot and is an and an eight so it's like Xhaka is like deep to high and then and then um Odegaard is like high to deep and so it, sometimes you have a triangle there where the three of them is El Nini in the middle and Granijaka is slightly ahead on the left-hand side and Martin Odegaard is slightly ahead and wide on the right-hand side. And so it looks like a 4-3-3 shape in some instances of the game. And that's one of the beautiful things of how Ateta has taught this team to play is that the systems are very fluid within the game. You know, I just remember, just as I was saying this now, uh, the post-match interview he did uh, after the Chelsea game. He said, yeah, we started with this particular plan just in case they were going to play in their shape and force us to do certain things. And then, but that, that team that we picked that day, which was the team with Ben White at right back, it was a back three initially with Saka as a right wing back and Ben White as a third center back. And then... It changed to Ben White at right back, and Saka came, went upstairs, and played a little bit further up as a in his normal Saka position on the right wing. So, yeah, I mean, this man is really teaching these boys a lot of really cool things, and you can see um, the principles that he he you know he's been implementing in how he wants the team to play, and everybody seems to know the next man's job. They all coaching one another on the field, helping each other find the next pass. So it's been really, really cool. Like in, in this Leeds game, I mean, I know the red card kind of ruined the game as it was. And we almost created a little bit more, it made it a little more interesting than it needed to be. But I do want to think, I do want to, um, you know, say, I think Arsenal have definitely matured. I mean, the, the, the worst they can finish right now is number five, you know, because this North London derby thing, you know, it still has me a little nervous. We haven't won at their place for a while, you know. 
and and I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday. All I know is going into that game, Tottenham are going to be fired up. And I just hope that we don't choose that game to get a red card. Because Derby games can do that too. You know, Tottenham have been kicking players in the last couple of games. They didn't do it as much against Liverpool, but I did see a couple of really hard tackles there. But definitely the game they won before that, who were they playing against? They were allowed to kick the shit out of those boys. Um, and Tottenham ended up winning like 4-0 or something. Who would they play before? Before Liverpool. It was a big win for them. And I remember watching that game thinking it was Leicester. Leicester, before Leicester played their semi-final in Europe. And Leicester didn't play the Tillemans and the, the, the James Madisons and all those boys. And my goodness, Tottenham really stuck on them. Just really gave them the business physically. And it's going to be interesting. I don't know who's going to blow this game. The referee was assigned to this game. But it's going to be interesting how the referee, you know, you know, is he going to, how the referee blows? Is he going to swallow the whistle? Is the referee going to um, be strict? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's late, late in the season. Lot, lots and lots at stake. If he lets Tottenham be physical, they could probably neutralize Arsenal. But what's going to be interesting here, though, is is Arsenal going to, you know, concede possession to Tottenham? Because we're a better possession team than they are. And we both are going to be basically needing to do the thing we're not comfortable with. But will we do the thing we're not comfortable with? You know, like in a game, Arsenal likes to be the, especially when they're better than the opponent, you know, Arsenal can defend, but I think when they're better than the opponent at holding the ball, I wonder if we will fall into the trap of imposing ourselves and playing high and playing high line, allowing Tottenham to play behind us. Or we're going to concede the ball to them and let them... It's going to be a hard one. I, this is why I can never be a manager at this level. And... It, it's it's anybody's guess, I guess, like what well, what Ateta would do, but I, I I'm just worried that we we might not be able to win there. I hope I'm wrong. I I sincerely hope I'm wrong. The reason I'm saying this, we might not be able to win there, is that the few times we've played them in the last few years, is we've normally won at our place and drawn there. The last few times, and I remember the last time we were this close to the Champions League, and we lost it to a by a point. It was Emery's um, Emery's first season, and we went up there, and I think Aubameyang missed the penalty, and we drew the game. And we've had a couple other draws, you know, and we've also lost. I think we went up there a few years ago when Mourinho was their coach, and we lost two one with Kolasinac making a stupid back pass and ball got intercepted by Son and they scored so we've lost and and drawn games there we haven't won there I, don't, I think it's been a long time I don't remember actually the last time we won at their stadium old and new stadium we've never won at this new one for sure so you know I know a lot of us have who are old enough to remember 2002 and 
and you know that era of our football history you know even then we didn't win that day we won the league but we didn't win that day and we should have won like we were like leading and then they came back and made it 2-2 so derbies are kind of stupid games man i i just hope whatever happens we don't lose you know i i i'm too nervous like i told you at the top of this of this recording i i feel like a parent with these kids <laughs> I I feel like they are my you know like I'm watching my own kids playing and and sometimes it's a little too hard. I will be at work on Thursday. I don't know if I will actually watch this game live, but I'll do my best. Um, I'm normally able to watch some games um, when I'm working, but I I watch every game, you know most most of them live. But obviously the midweek ones can be tricky if if there's work. I just hope that um, the boys are able to to at least leave White Hart Lane undefeated. You know, just don't lose the don't lose there. Whatever you do, just win or draw. We'll take that. Um, I'm not very big on trying to predict things, and so I don't know what lineup he'll go with. But I do hope that he goes with Tomiyasu closer, wherever Son plays, I think Tomiyasu needs to mark a Son, and Ben White maybe plays, you know, in a back five, maybe, but they are better than us in a back five system, so I don't want us to change too much, you know, but then if he plays Tomiyasu at right back, who plays, um, who plays down the left, you know, some something tells me that you know Tomiyasu at left back actually could work too, because Kulusevski is no joke. I know people are worried about Son, and I'm worried about Son, but I think Kulusevski is just as dangerous a player, you know, and he's a clever player. So maybe you play Ben White at right back, and Tomiyasu at left back holding and Gabriel in the middle because then you have your four best available defenders playing in the game. Um, up front, I think the team pretty much picks itself if you have that solid back four playing. Because the one thing that I know Tottenham are going to need is goals and when they, and they, when they for them, see that they score, um, you know, it drains and pours goals there or they don't score at all. So, one thing I don't want is for us to turn this into a basketball game and play the occasion. Let's play a simple game of football and see where we are when the final whistle is blown. Hopefully, we'll be victorious and secure Champions League there. If we don't, let's not lose. I know I'm repeating myself and I'm mumbling right now. So I'm going to stop there. I appreciate you watching and thank you for the support. Talk to you guys after the North London Derby. Cheers.